Three the Pro Way is brought to you by that legendary play. From historic moments to triumphant victories, iconic plays are immortalized at thatlegendaryplay.com. Hey guys, this is Ty with Three the Pro Way. This week's episode of Three the Pro Way has us sitting down with former arena football player Damon Bowers. Born and raised in California, he talks to us about his early years growing up with parents who were very involved with his athletic endeavors, but more importantly, instilled in him the value of an education and how it helped shape him into the person he is now. Damon also gives us an insight into his college years at University of the Pacific and San Jose State, what it was like playing at different levels of football. He then moved on to the Arena League in which he played for six years. He shows his commitment to family values by telling us about his love for his two boys and their love for athletics and his daughter's pursuit of music and how that really opened his eyes to a lot of different possibilities for her life. Also, we touch on this brief television career he had as a Bachelor contestant on the season two of The Bachelorette. Now, living in Nashville, the place he calls home, he is the owner and president of a debt and equity mortgage company called Persevere Lending. This is a very interesting episode that you will definitely want to download, like, and listen to wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to another edition of Three the Pro Way. I am Dr. Todd Campbell, and on my side I have Dr. Kevin Dyson, and with us also is Mr. Joy Kent, Three the Pro Way. Today we have the, the luxury of having a guest with us. He's a California guy, you know. We still love him though, um, but he just moved. Former, for, former, former, former California. Okay, yeah. Reco- recovering, recovering California. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, and and this guy, I'll tell you guys, this guy is a is a good dude. When when we first met, you know, we just kind of hit it off. He's a good dude. Uh, but just just he's a father, he's a husband, he's a former professional athlete. He um he's also uh, a, a a television entertainer. We'll get into that later. Uh, and 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 more than and now he's he's a he's a private lender with a company that he's a CEO and president of. Uh, so please, everybody, welcome, Mr. Damon Bowers. Mr. Bowers, how What's you up, doing, man? Oh, good, good to be here, fellas. Appreciate you having me. Yes, recovering hey. Californian. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so Kevin's from Utah, so he he had, it took him a while to get down here. Too. You know, what's crazy is I'm yeah. here longer than I've been anywhere. I've lived in Tennessee, so I'm more of a Tennessean than anything. But, but that California accent. Kind of come, that West Coast accent yeah, West Coast, comes I, out every now hey, and then. Them hard R's, I can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, people always ask me when I lived in California if I was from the South, uh-huh. because I think I got a weird hybrid. My mom is a Brooklyn Jap, you know, Jewish American princess, and my dad is from uh, literally a farm boy from Kansas, uh-huh. and I think I got some weird hybrid. And then uh, in my 20s, I did spend time. I was in Texas for a couple of years. Uh, I was in the South, you know, here and there. So I think whatever I had that kind of was rolling when I was in California, when I got in Texas in the South, it just kind of solidified. And uh, so it's just funny that when I finally moved to the South, I think I talk more like a Californian now than I did when I was in California. But the y'all, the y'alls come out nice and easy. I gotta, I gotta admit that. Yeah, once you get the y'alls, then good. Yeah, yeah, good. Just don't be saying youins and that kind of stuff. No. Well, I, you know what? I I don't miss the you guys. California is all you guys, and yeah. even when I said you guys, that's what everybody says. I never like saying it, but that's just what everybody says. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> y- y'all is a, it's a nice, it rolls and it's, it's nice and easy. Real smooth. <laughs> <College> <laughs> yep. So Damon, like we said, you're from California, man. Just kind of, kind of tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, your, your childhood and growing up in, in California. Yeah. I grew up in the East Bay um, in a town called Alamo. It's not too big, not too small. Uh, many people uh, know of Walnut Creek, mm-hmm. which is in the East Bay. And, and really, to give you a, a frame of reference, we're about 35 miles east, maybe 40 miles east of San Francisco, about 25 miles from Oakland. So, But we lived in a, a real quiet suburb, so it seemed crazy that we were so close to Oakland and San Francisco. Uh, when I was a kid, and 
before I was born in LA actually in Hollywood, which is just kind of fun to say I was born in Hollywood, but uh, <laughs> my family moved up North when I was a baby. So I really can't claim too much LA, which I I'm glad now that I know I don't want to claim LA, but um, so I had a great childhood, a uh, nice community uh, back in those days. Literally we we'd hop on BART, go into Oakland go to the flea market, go to the A's games, go to, go to, uh, whatever, go to San Francisco, obviously no cell phones. And, uh, you know, literally we'd be home by, you know, whatever mom told us to be home by. And that just tells you, you know, first of all, how old I am, but, uh, the, the difference in, in culture, cause I would never let my kids do that now, nor, nor would any sane parent in, in the East Bay. Bart has really, um, as far as transportation's become really rough and there's just places well there are always places where you got to put your blinders on regardless and just be smart with your surroundings uh but but one of the the reasons i moved and i know i'm kind of fast forwarding to current but um and i'll get there but california just is not what it was like growing up it was a, a wonderful place to grow up um i broke my dad's heart early on when i was probably eight years old Told him I was a Raiders fan. He's a big Niners fan. I was gonna but, add. Uh, oh, Raiders baby. Marcus yeah. Allen was my first favorite player, so I okay. just said, "Hey, I, I want to be Marcus. I'm gonna be on the Raiders." Um, but no, I had a great childhood. I'm the youngest of three. I've got an older sister and an older brother. Uh, they both married fairly early, um, so I was an, an uncle for uh, many years, which I loved. Became an uncle when I was in high school. And uh, I have a really close, tight-knit family. Um, I went to Monta Vista High School. We had great, great sports there. I was actually, uh, in, in addition to being an athlete, I was student body president. So really enjoyed my high school career. Uh, it's a, it's a, a community where everybody, it's, it's big, uh, bigger, but it still feels like a very quaint community. So I go back and it's still, you know, we got the 4th of July parade and uh, Memorial Day parades. And, and it's just a really um, kind of an old school community that way. And obviously it goes without saying how beautiful California is. I, I can't take that away from it. Uh, where we lived in the, in the East Bay, an hour, any direction, I'm at the ocean or the, the mountains or the woods. Uh, I could be in Tahoe in two and a half hours. So the proximity, I'm sure you all have traveled uh, to the Bay Area, but the proximity in the East Bay in particular, you can't beat it. And the climate's wonderful. Um, so I have, you know, fond memories of California and my family and, and many of my friends are still there. So, I, you know, I'll always have a piece of California in my heart. Um, but Nashville's home now and, and uh, never look back. So we're all excited to be here and and hoping to make Nashville my home for many, many years. Hey, Damon, I'm curious, a young Damon, what, what did you think you would do when you grew up? Was, was NFL in, in that, in that realm? He said like, he wanted to be Marcus Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I want to be Marcus Allen until about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, hey, being Marcus Allen is not a bad gig right now, man. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, football was always my passion. Um, so, yes, I was un not unlike probably all of you and, and kids all over the country. I wanted to play in the NFL. But when I was playing baseball, I wanted to play in the major leagues. I wasn't much of a basketball player. But, you know, when I played, I wanted to play basketball. So I was just a sports junkie. Um, loved, loved sports. Uh, football became my passion at a pretty early age. And, uh, but I had, you know, success in, in baseball and, and track. Um, so yeah, I would say sports was, was always my focus. Uh, and, you know, academically, uh, I always achieved just fine. I wasn't an all-star, but certainly I, I got, uh, got pretty good grades. Um, as I got older, I, I guess in terms of getting realistic, I mean, I played arena football until I was 28 and for many of those years, I still thought I had a chance and every year I thought I was getting closer to my ultimate dream of the NFL. Uh, but then eventually I just realized, all right, this is as far as I'm going to take this little body and, and just enjoyed where I was for my final two or three seasons in the arena league. But certainly when I got uh, into my early twenties, 
and I was an English major in college. Uh, I actually wanted to get into your profession in education, uh, not necessarily in the administration side of it, but teaching, which I did at my alma mater in uh, Danville, Monta Vista High School. While I was still playing arena football, I uh, went back and I was a substitute teacher, and then I got some long-term sub-jobs, and so I thought I wanted to be a teacher and a coach, and that, and that was it. Um, I never thought I would uh, get into the business that I'm in. It's what my dad did, and uh, I always admired him and looked up to what he did, but I wanted to stay close to football. Um, but I hate to say it, living in the Bay Area, getting those uh, teaching paychecks, I realized early on this this, this ain't going to do This is not going to work out. Um, but, I, you know, I still have a passion uh, for, for education and coaching in particular. And my dream is, you know, continue to do what I'm doing now, but and get to a certain point where I'm basically retired or, or at the very least working uh, much less and grinding much less than I am now and, and finding a place I can coach and maybe substitute teach. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it in my early 20s and um, I, I spent a, a couple of years going back and forth to my old high school and just kind of stepping in and helping out the coaches there. And, uh, it's like therapy, you know, when, uh, especially when you're not coaching your own kids, it's just a different element. And I feel, I still have, you know, a lot I could offer. And, uh, even though you're away from it for a while, I feel like when I was on the field and you start barking football and talking, it just comes back to you and you realize, how much you love the sport and, and how much, how rewarding it is and fulfilling it is to give back to, to younger kids and, and give them a little bit of the blessings you had growing up. You know, Damien, it's interesting you would say that because just kind of talking about how you grew up, we've had a couple of guys from California on here. Uh, Andre Miller, Andre Miller, uh, and just West coast wise, Joey Harrington and those guys, they kind of talked Drew about, Bennett, yeah, Drew Ryan Bennett. Lee. We talked about we talked to those guys. They talked about the kind of the difference from from like a me and Joy who grew up in the South and Kevin who who you know is a West Coast guy, but just kind of the differences in what it's like as far as getting prepped for being able to play ball. So like you know, we kind of we, we, Joy always says you know you we didn't go to camps. You know you learned how to play at in the streets and stuff like that. So what was it like? Like, when did you start playing football and just being athletic and, and kind of figuring out what that was like? First of all, Bennett, uh, he lived, he's younger than me, but uh, we're not too far from each other. Oh, wow. I believe he's, he's from Moraga and Lafayette, but uh, where we grew up is very similar. So we have a lot of, uh, and, and to this day, I think I've met him a few times. We have a lot of mutual friends, but I'm sure he would have a similar, probably talked about a similar experience growing up. Um, in the suburbs like we did. But to answer your question, uh, it hit me early. I mean, I, I started playing tackle football when I was seven. Mm. Um, and so far, in the noodle's still working, but I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting concerned. <laughs> uh, but, no, I started early on. And, you know, back then there wasn't nearly the, the awareness of, of, you know, head trauma. And, and I still have my first helmet. And I look at that thing, it's like a, a – you know, maybe a couple pieces of tissue paper in there. I mean, these helmets were, were just nasty as far as protection. Um, but I developed it early on. My, my dad played football. He, he was a running back back in the day. And uh, I just, if you ask them uh, pretty much when I could start running or walking, I was carrying a football. Um, and, you know, w where I grew up was a competitive, competitive programs, competitive leagues. Uh, you know, we used to have your question about camps and Marcus Allen probably came into my life at this time. There was a camp in Sonoma, which, uh, you know, outside Napa County. And I don't know how, who ran it, but every year there were some big names, Ronnie Lott, um, Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, um, Charles White. I'm just trying to remember. See, not too many concussions. I can still think back a little bit. Uh, but those camps were sleepaway camps. And so I was 8, 9, 10, 11 years old going to these camps for a, a week or week and a half, whatever it was. 
offense, defense. We'd have offense in the morning, defense in the afternoon. We got the dorm life. I mean, um, Lester Hayes was one of the, one of the guys out there too. That I remember. So I think my parents understood early on my passion and, and just try to surround me as much as possible. Um, my, the area I grew up in, to be frank, was a sports-minded area, whether it was football, baseball, basketball, soccer. I mean, it's just we kind of grew up that way. Um, you know, what, one of the reasons, and again, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but uh, my daughter is an amazing musician, which, you know, I want to talk more about her at some point, but that was, that was one of the pulls to Nashville uh, because yeah, obviously the sports in Nashville are just fine. You're not hurting for opportunities to play ball in Nashville, but where we, where we were in the Bay area, it was tough for my daughter to really, you know, immerse herself as a musician. And she's a young um, kind of a phenom. And, and we just felt there's more opportunities to surround her with an environment of uh, musically minded people and people with the same kind of passion. So she wasn't that kind of strange girl that plays guitar that wasn't playing, you know, soccer or cheerleading or the other things that, you know, the normal young girls were doing in our hometown. Um, so I think it's just like anything else. It's, it's who you surround yourself with. I surrounded myself with, with athletes. Um, and I think that serves you well. Uh, if you, if you stick with the, uh, a program and you surround yourself with, with like-minded people that are out for the same goals, um, keeps you out of trouble, keeps you on track and helps you focus on what you're trying to accomplish. Now you talk about, you know, uh, being a multi-sport athlete, California, CIF, did you make CIF? Did you? CIF, there you go. You go. Yeah, I know. All you, Cali- <laughs> all you Californians. No, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but and you you did get to obviously get to go beyond um, high school and play ball, and then you you mentioned your daughter, and I'm, I'm gonna give you opportunity here, and you see something in her, and we've had different athletes on here, we've had ice skaters, we've had different people, and they talk about, uh, and we've talked about it, um, kids and their passions and going after them. And you said you had ambitions to play professional football, be the next Marcus Allen, right? And you see something special in your daughter. And obviously you're putting all you can in front of giving her every opportunity. Do you find as a parent compared to where you was as a kid? And it doesn't sound like your parents deterred you from your dreams or not. They kind of put you kind of in that same light as well. Do you find you find yourself doing something similar or are you more or less like, okay, well, just in case this doesn't work out, what is the backup plan? And a lot of people um, tend to do from our generation as opposed to now they're putting all eggs in their professional skill basket. You know, they're going to all these like personal trainers and he's going to get a baseball scholarship. He's travel volleyball. He's this, yeah. doing that. So which end of the spectrum are you? Are you trying to find that balance? Or are you like, you know what? We're all in. Let's go. Great question and kind of layered. So I'd say as far as um, putting, I was certainly given every opportunity. You know, I I had no excuses um, and I, and I understood that early on and it was, I could take it as far as I wanted to take it. uh, And that was instilled in me at an early age. You want it, go get it. Um, And my dad, I've already said, he's, he's a farm boy, grew up on a farm and he didn't know any other way. It's, you know, you want to get bigger, go work out. You want to get faster, train. You want to gain weight, eat better food. You know, so I was very direct. I was raised very directly, uh, lovingly, uh, but very direct as well. And I wasn't pushed or forced. And I really, truly believe if I told my parents I wanted to be a ballet dancer, they wouldn't have went out and bought me the best, you know, tutu or ballet shoes they could have found. And they would have supported me with that. So I had a great head start, or I should say a foundation of how to be a parent uh, because I was raised in my opinion, the right way. Mm -hmm. So all I'm trying to do is emulate a a lot of what my parents did for me. Now the, the whole travel ball and, and year round training that, that I wasn't quite there yet. I mean, I had, you know, maybe a few years after I got out of high school, they just started some of the Nike camps and things like that. 
but it's really blown up. And just at the younger level, uh, particularly where, where, you know, I would say where we live now and where I grew up, where, you know, parents, um, you know, you got as far as economic, a little all over the board, but everyone's doing okay. Mm-hmm. But if a, a, a travel ball coach says, hey, your kid's got potential, mm-hmm. all it's going to take is, you know, six nights a week with me at 100 bucks a pop. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, who do I write the check to? Yep. And, it, you know, it's become such an industry. And uh, that's one thing I can give my sons now in terms of sports. You know, I've got pretty wide open eyes and I, I've, I didn't accomplish everything, but I, you know, I saw a lot, been there, done that. And, you know, Sam is uh, my, my freshman friend, friends with Todd's boy. Um, he's always talking about these camps and so-and-so players, uh, you know, he went to Kentucky and he went on a trip and I'm like, none of that matters. Right. You know, I could, I could pay money right now and have you go to Notre Dame for the weekend and take a picture, you know, with Newt Rockney. It, it doesn't mean anything, but people really enjoy that, whether it's, you know, parents pumping them up, which, you know, more power to you if that's what it, what it takes. But I'd rather be honest with my kids and tell them all that matters right now is you showing up, getting your work done, getting your grades right, showing up to practice. And you want to get noticed, you know, show up on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my goal with, with my boys with regards to sports. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to give them every opportunity. I'm going to be honest with them. I'm going to let them know, hey, where you're at right now, I can tell you, is not where you need to be. It's, I love you, but you want me to be dead honest. You know, you run a 4.9, and you're like, that guy runs a 4.6. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's just basic math. Um, now, with my daughter, it's completely uncharted territory. <laughs> um, as they say, I play the radio. That's about all I can do with regards to music. So her talent it's like um, it's a gift from God. I know that, but I don't understand it because I don't know that world. Um, all I know is, is she's my baby girl and, and I love listening to her and, and I knew she's good just because you can hear good music and you understand that. But I didn't know up to what level until we started getting around some people that made us like, you need to pay attention. Like mm-hmm. we were doing all the right things. We were, we were getting her better equipment and getting her lessons, but it was mainly because she just enjoyed it. And, you know, my daughter had some, uh, some social issues, some anxiety issues. And the music was, was the one thing that we found. It was her, her happy place. It was her sad place. She went to it. It, it was kind of her outlet. Mm -hmm. So that's all my wife and I started out is let's, she enjoys this. She's pretty good at it. She's taking time to, to practice. Let's, give her every opportunity like we do the boys hell i'm gonna buy a 300 friggin baseball bat for the you know my kids my boys i'm gonna give my daughter the same advantages with equipment and within our you know everything we can do within reason um but what was interesting kevin is kind of to answer your question a long way to answer it but i was at a a party just back in california before uh we left and a buddy of mine at that party was a musician growing up. He went to Berkeley school of music. He bounced around. He was kind of on that circuit, you know, knew some people, but he, he's a musician, right? He just, um, he has the ear and I said, Hey, check out this video of my daughter. I took it the other night. I just want to let you know, see what you think. Mm-hmm. And he, he took it, looked at it, kind of looked at me with a, this look and, and said, I'll be right back. And, and literally walked away from the party. He was gone for like 20 minutes. He watched it several times he zoomed in on her on her hands to see how she was playing and came back and said do you realize how good she is and at this time she was 14 years old and uh he said something that i'll never forget and it kind of was my trigger or or, you know my catalyst to understand exactly how talented my daughter was because he put it in in a way that you know my dumb jock head could understand he said, if, if you're watching this and it was Sam working out, you know, running routes in the weight room, you would you would know that he's going to Alabama. Mm. You would know by looking at him, mm-hmm. whether it's his size. Like, imagine this is Sam, 6'3", 225, runs a 4'4", 
and he's 16 years old, you just know. And right. everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Doesn't and, take and long. He said, it doesn't take long. And he said, that's grace. That's my daughter. He wow. said, that's, that's grace. And that was really powerful just the way he explained it. And it was my turning, you know, turning point. And that's what kind of furthered our discussion about moving. Um, and certainly, you know, created a little more focus and, uh, not that we weren't already dedicated to, to her, but it, it made my wife and I realize we need to go outside the house right now. We need mm-hmm. to talk to people. We need to get some other perspectives and, um, it's just been, uh, meteoric to be honest, um, from that point on. Wow, I think, man, I think that's, that's the crazy, crazy thing because we all three have girls as well. But at the same time, we have boys. Mm-hmm. So a yeah. lot of times you feel like because of our experience, we want our boys. And then we 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 like my daughter's a dancer and a, a cheerleader. So sometimes I'm like, ah, I got to go to this game to watch her cheer to stand in one spot. But <laughs> it's the thing. It's the thing. You, you know, you kind of kind of got to give that same. Yeah, it's, it's same about thing. kids finding their own passion. Yeah. yeah. And it seems yeah. like yeah. daughter has found her passion Obviously, your passion, gifts. yeah, gifts. That that's probably a better way to put it. Obviously, you found your passion early was football. Um, what what was that transition like for you from high school to college? Well, I was uh, I was your classic overachiever. Think Wayne Corbett. You know that was uh, that was my. Even though I wanted to be Marcus Allen, I was more like Wayne Corbett. <laughs> that's 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 code for a short white. <laughs> yes, hey, that's what it is. That, that was great. Nice. So yeah, he, he was really saying short white dude. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. At least back then, I didn't have to say fat. Now I have to say <laughs> white fat. Yeah, but back then I, I didn't have to say the fat part. But no, it's um. I, I went to University of the Pacific. So before San Jose State, I went to UOP, um, small private school, uh, 1A. And when I was in college, uh, there was only three private 1A, Stanford, USC, and UOP. So obviously, uh, we were kind of outmatched. We were in the Big West Conference. Remember that, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a random conference. We played Utah UNLV, State, Nevada, UNLV. Utah State. Reno, uh, Reno. That was kind of the normal side that you would expect. But then we had Southwest Louisiana, Arkansas State. <laughs> I mean, it was a hodgepodge. But um, so when I was uh, my experience in high school, I, I was fairly decorated, and, and uh, you know, I had a lot of accomplishments, and and um, um, I was blessed to have some recognition, and I was recruited heavily. Um, so there was times where I thought I'm going to Penn State. Or I'm mm. going to U of A or I'm going to Berkeley or I'm going here or there. Cause I, I got recruited really, really heavily. And then all of a sudden it, it slowed down. And I, I realized I, I went from, you know, list a to list B and there's a lot of reasons for that. But, uh, you know, I had a, I had a good senior year. My numbers are really good. Uh, but I just time after time, recruiters kept telling me, I'm sorry, you know, we're putting you on the, on kind of our backup list, wish you all the luck. And I could have gone to a lot of smaller schools. I could have gone to Cal Poly and played football and baseball. I could have gone to Lewis and Clark and played football and baseball. I could have gone to St. Mary's and played football and baseball. I mean, I had a lot of good opportunities, but I was um, maybe call it ego, uh, but I wanted to play one a, mm-hmm. um, and I got the rug pulled out for me from several schools, Colorado state, I was one that, um, I mean, I tripped there. So I, I'm, I'm in Colorado state in Fort Collins and, um, Sonny Lubick, he just been hired and he was in my living room. Yeah. Uh, I think I was one of the first people he saw after he was hired. And he told us straight up, if we bring him out to Fort Collins, he, we're going to offer him. So they brought me out. My family's buying all the gear. So, you know, we got, we probably still got Rams t-shirts over, you know, <laughs> But uh, so I get out there and and I actually on that trip, uh, I forget the kid's name, but he was a he was a blazing receiver from San Diego. And it came down to ultimately I determined or I discovered on that that trip. They were honest with me. I'll give them that. They told me they're going to go with this other kid. Um, Best of luck. They asked me if I wanted to walk on and 
I already had a couple of buddies from my high school that had already committed. So it was going to be this, you know, wonderful reunion of some of my best friends from high school. Um, but anyways, I just decided I wanted to go somewhere where I was wanted, number one. And UOP offered me the summer before during a passing league tournament. And I, I was like, no, no, I'm going to – Joe Paterno just sent me a letter. I'm going to Penn State. I'm not going to UOP. Uh and then, and then we called UOP. <laughs> I think my dad did, and said, "Hey, is that a is that offer still stand?" And so we drove out there the next day to UOP. And uh, man, I was treated wonderfully. The coaches uh, welcomed me with open arms and and said some really nice things about um, you know their expectations for me. Uh, I had a good camp. I was a running back all, all my life, really. But uh, I got to UOP as kind of an athlete, you know, more of a multi-purpose. So I was, you know, returning kicks and and playing running back. Um, but we got a, a really slew of hammies during camp. Uh, we had like four or five receivers go down within like the first week of double days. So they asked me if I'd moved a receiver, which I caught the ball out of the backfield a lot. So, I, you know, I had good hands and didn't have any problem uh learn the offense. So I, I moved out to Z um, thinking that it was just going to be temporary. And they said they'd move me back to uh, the running back probably in the spring, but I wanted to play. So I played as a true freshman and UOP. I, I don't know if, uh, well, you won't remember this, but you know, our schedule, our non-conference schedule was unbelievable. We played Nebraska Twice, both years they were undefeated national champions. Yeah, that's when, um, were, that's when Nebraska, yeah. was Nebraska, man. Yeah, Tommy, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Frazier. Yeah, man. The same age. We're talking about yeah. ninety-five. Lawrence Phillips and all those cats, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, my it was my sophomore year. We never thought we had a chance. I mean, you want to hear something funny? You should have. I wish there was video of our uh, offensive coordinator's pregame speech. We're like, what the hell is he going to say to us? We're about to play Nebraska, <laughs> and it was it was pretty much like, man, let's let's give it let's give it our all. <laughs> yeah, he actually said, man, they're a little bigger than us. <laughs> all right, they're, they're they're a little stronger than us. They're a little faster than us. Man, goddamn it, they're better than us. Right. <laughs> well, let's go out there and give them hell. We're like, all right. <laughs> let's go <laughs> but that that experience walking onto that field uh it's I'll one of the agree. things I'll, I'll never forget in my life uh one year they just they blew us out uh, the other year that my junior year we played them better they beat us i think 49 21 the week before they beat asu i think 63 to nothing man. i mean that that team was ridiculous good, but lawrence phillips so the Dude. first drive of my sophomore year, we sack Tommy Frazier. Um, and then, so it's second long, I'm on green. And, and they're like on their own 30. I'm on green gets hurt. Remember, I'm on green. Yeah, man. Like, they were loaded. He, he, yeah, man. He, he, yeah. So he gets hurt. And we're like, great. No, I'm on green. Who comes That's in? Cool. Lawrence Phillips. Yes, sir. <laughs> and literally, there's like third and 20 and we're like they're gonna or fourth and 20 we're like they're gonna punt it they went for it <laughs> i'm on green gone and we're like what in the <laughs> hell just yeah. happened yeah, yeah. but man uh yeah that experience so we played nebraska oregon tennessee um you know they needed that the school did because every time we go you know we'd have 10 guys probably spend the night in the hospital, but we come back with, you know, a million bucks for the program. <laughs> so y'all played Tennessee? Um, yeah. Well, Joey was, that was in a, what, what that was in nine, that was in 90, 92, I believe. So I was redshirted in 92. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that, I mean, I, I can't say anything negative about UOP. There was a shame that they dropped the program. Uh, it ended up being, um, and I had a wonderful experience there. I ended up getting my degree there. I went back after I finished at San Jose state and it's a great degree. Um, and, and I'm trying to make, uh, it's taken me a lot of, a lot of years to get over the anger 
of them dropping the program. Mm. And it still festers, to be honest. Mm. But uh, it ended up being the best thing that could happen for a lot of the younger guys in particular because they, they got recruited all over again. So we had kids going to Stanford, <clears throat> Cal, UCLA. I had one season left of eligibility. So uh, my options were Boise State, but it wasn't quite Boise State yet. Right. Um, Pitt, which, you know, I, I would have enjoyed that, uh, or San Jose State. And my, my best friend from childhood, who's still my best friend to this day, he uh, was at San Jose State already so i looked at it as an opportunity you know i'll never have a chance to play with him again his name is patrick walsh he's a head coach at sarah high school which is where brady went mm-hmm. and um he's a hall of fame coach now out there so i was only at san jose state for one semester um just for the fall semester the got football. my got my football in but I tell people usually I went to San Jose State because I'm still see there's the anger I'm still mad at UOP, but I did I did graduate from UOP. Um, UOP was required to honor scholarships, so if you didn't, if you just stopped playing or or if you wanted to go play somewhere else and come back, they had to fulfill the the scholarship. Oh wow! Um, and I I would have even given that up. I mean I I had it at San Jose, but San Jose State being a state school. I needed another year and a half or something of state school requirements at UOP. I just needed units. I was done with my major. So my, my senior year or my last semester, I should say at UOP, my classes were bowling, uh, expression through movement, which is some funky dance class, Mm -hmm. um, some sexuality class, which I hooked up with half the girls in the class. So that was a good, that was a good poll. Uh, which will lead us into your uh, conversation later about your entertainment on television. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, concussion. I, I forgot that part. of my <laughs> So what were you in your mind? Where were you in your mind? Like after college, like what, like what was the next step in your mind? Obviously, you still wanted to play ball, but how yeah. did that happen? Well, clearly, I didn't get an invitation to the combine, so I knew that wasn't happening. Uh, but I wanted to play, so mm-hmm. I met with all the coaches, and I I knew I wasn't uh, NFL bound at that time. I knew I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. I had a you know an average college career, a pretty good senior year, um, but I knew I could play somewhere. So. Uh, my coaches helped me out to some degree. Some of the coaches I, I work with, even at San Jose and at UOP, some former coaches. So I looked at some Canadian opportunities. Um, I was potentially going to go to Germany to play. I think it was called the American Federation of European Football or, or something like that. So I had a opportunity to go to Dusseldorf, Germany. I was going to play. Mm-hmm. I, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter where. Um, but then I got a call from the New York city Hawks of the arena football league. Didn't know much about it, but, uh, Kurt Warner had made it pretty famous. Uh, so Kurt Warner's last year in the arena league was 97 and my first year was 98. So the arena league was somewhat on the map, but still fairly unknown. I didn't know much about it. Um, but got on a plane to New York and, uh, and that was it. So I played six years and, and bounced around and I just had an incredible experience. And, and yeah, I, I still, uh, up until maybe my third or fourth year, I still had that dream. I wasn't giving it up. I knew the odds were against me. I look in the mirror every day. I'm in the shower with these guys from Florida state and, you know, Notre Dame and, and, uh, Utah's and, uh, you know, so I, I know what the prototypical uh, wide receiver was, um, particularly at that time. Now, I think I kind of came out in the wrong era. If I could have came out when they got more of the slot receivers, yeah. I, I was I was in a pro set my entire college career, and I bounced from Z to X. Um, and that that's really all there was. They didn't have a lot of opportunities for smaller slot-type receivers that I think I would have really excelled at later in my career. Um, in college, you know – Oddly, uh, we, we did have some slot formations, and I, I did a lot of bubble screens and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I was uh, didn't have any tape on, on that slot-type activity in the Arena League. Uh, 
But like I said, I, I was not ready to give up. I wasn't ready to hang up my cleats. I wasn't ready to go get a real job. Uh, I wanted to play football. It was still burning, burning hard. Yeah. I was in the best shape of my life. Um, so the coach in New York gave me an opportunity, and, and I think I took advantage of it and had a successful, uh, you know, didn't break any records, but I was there, didn't miss any games, which is probably my most, um, what I'm, I'm most proud of. And this goes back to high school. And I've, I've done this before. I've, I've counted all the games I've played in from, and even Pop Warner. But just starting from high school, high school to college, until my fifth year in the Arena League, I did not miss one game. Maybe probably missed some practices, but uh, I take a lot of pride in that. I was durable. And, um, you know, I, I feel like my coaches could always count on me. Uh, I think I was a good teammate. And just had a unbelievable experience. And I think anyone that plays football, uh, you know, at a higher level as, as an adult, really, there's so much more you get out of it in terms of building relationships and uh, integrity and, and accountability. And, and when you play as a kid, it's one thing. But when you play as a man, it takes on a, on a whole different uh, meaning and you know, my paychecks weren't nearly the, the paychecks Kevin was getting, but uh, I was getting I was getting a check and it was a job. And, and at that time in my life, that's all that mattered. And uh, I wanted to be the best employee for whatever club I was playing for. Yeah. Let me get into your head a little bit back during that time, because you said something about, you know, you wanted to play ball and you still had that dream of potentially making it to the NFL. I want to ask you, because I played in some leagues that, you know, thinking back on it, like, why, why did I do that? I think partially for me is I still wanted to compete. But I think the other side of it was like, I'm 25, 26, 27. I really don't know what I want to do when I hang up these actual cleats. Like, was that part of your decision? Obviously you love the game. You wanted to compete. Um, But did you have a plan for in that fifth year, were you thinking, okay, I might have one, two, three more years left. What am I going to do after that? What did that, any of those conversations enter your mind during that time? Yeah, absolutely. And and that transition was uh, fairly easy for me because as I said earlier, I, I, I wanted to teach and coach. So that was my backup plan. So the arena football league, the, the timing of it allowed me to go back to the Bay area train, coach football, and substitute teach. And, that, and that's really where I developed my passion for, for coaching and teaching. So that was it. Uh, I was going to play as long as I could until the wheels fell off and then go back to my alma mater and coach and, uh, and teach. And, and that's really what my vision for my life was. Um, live, live back in my hometown in which I was perfectly fine with. And, and, you know, try not to talk about the glory days too much, but, you know, just, just live out that, uh, I think something that every football player and you see all these football players that are going back, look at, uh, now coaching at Lipscomb. And, uh, I I think once it's in you, it's always in you. And if you can find an outlet, um, you know, whether it's coaching or, or, you know, front office or, or scouting, I mean, I would love to be involved in football at a high level in, in some, some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of rambling. I apologize. I'm not probably not directly answering, but the, the teaching and coaching was something that I was passionate about. Uh, and the lending and the real estate was something that was just kind of surrounding me my entire life because it's what my dad did. My dad went from banking to real estate, commercial brokerage to, to lending. So I was always around it. So I just found myself all of a sudden in my, now I'm in my late twenties. Let me just get my real estate license just, just to have it, you mm-hmm. know, might keep it on the shelf, but that was at my dad's encouragement. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, um, but I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. And I did that while I was still playing. Um, he just said, it'd be a great, a great license to have. Mm-hmm. If you use it, great. If you don't great, but you know, you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, you know, one of the many great pieces of advice he's given me over the years. So my, I was really fortunate because I, I never had that. I, 
it broke my heart. You know, when I had to look in the mirror and, and tell myself you're, you're oh, done, like yeah. fo- football's over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I woke up the next day and whether it was teaching or coaching. And then a few years later I, I woke up and I just said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go do real estate now. I'm going to work with my dad. And he, he was my mentor uh, in life and in business. So I was, I had him as a, a mentor really in two, two chapters of my life, two phases um, as a young athlete who coached me. And then as a young real estate professional who, who mentored me. So Damon, we had Barry Wagner on here. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, B Wags, he's, he's, he's wild. He'll tell you how good he is. I'll tell you what, I honestly, I don't know his experience with football. I think he went to a small school in Alabama. Oh, it was an M. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what his uh, if he ever had opportunities with the NFL or tryouts or, or he maybe he had a he actually played in the league for he played for the Colts and the Bears. Um, so he had oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Early. Yeah, so so Barry was uh, yeah he he was definitely he was older than me, mm-hmm. but I you know played against him. I don't even know if he'd know my name. I you know like we ever hung out, but he was certainly you know. He, he was a Deion Sanders of arena football boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so that's interesting. You say that. So I, I was going to piggyback on what you said earlier. One of the things with arena football and B Wag said this coming from a small school, a lot of times people don't understand you. We can play, you know, we didn't make it to yeah. the league, but we can play. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's one of the things that, that, it's interesting to hear you say now, you know, you would love to teach and coach and those kind of things because that's kind of what B Wag does. Now he, you know, he's teaching kids how to play football and those kind of things. And, and, you know, I'm a proponent of, of guys. I tell people all the time, just because you can play football doesn't mean you can coach football. I got lucky in that I hired a hire when I was a principal of independence, I hired Kevin Dyson (laughs) as my football coach. And we won, what did we won the district? district first time we'd ever won it. Mm-hmm. Kevin Colin plays and whatnot. Uh, so, so who, who takes the credit? The coach or the, or the one me. who hired? That was me. I said that to say this. I think it's interesting that you, you know, coming from arena football, you kind of see that, hey, football doesn't last forever. So going back to what you were saying about your dad and, and the private lending and that kind of stuff, it kind of wields itself into what do I need to do for the next 50 years as opposed to these first 25, 26 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I really think uh, sports being an athlete transcends just the sport you're playing. It, it creates uh, the, the accountability and the integrity, um, the, the drive, the discipline. Uh, I can spot an athlete in a business setting a yeah. mile away. And yeah. I can also spot a non-athlete in the same business setting a mile away. And it's, it's the interaction, it's the confidence, it's the direct approach to whatever, whatever the, you know, the task is being on time, um, <laughs> all of it, all of it. Just, uh, <laughs> you don't have you late. <laughs> right, right, right. So oh, yeah, ten, ten, ten minutes early. Let's transition. He's been wanting to get to the transition. We to the transition. All right. So I don't want to use all Damon's time, but we got to talk I'm about gonna get on, I'm going to get on the road, so I'm just going to, I'm going to be okay. peeking oh. up and down. That's oh, all right. The son, son's in the car. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so, yeah. We're, but we're good. He's nothing he hasn't about, heard. Let's talk about Sam. Let's, hey. How you doing, buddy? So <laughs> let's talk you? about uh, your uh, life as a, uh, how do you say, TV personality? I, yeah. I prefer uh, reality t- reality TV specialist. <laughs> so for you, so for our listeners that don't know, Damon was on season two, early in the game, season yeah. two of The Bachelorette. Wow. How does that come about? Like, 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 like you go from playing ball. <laughs> and we had Matt Rogers on here who was on American Idol, who also was a football player. Like, how yeah. did he play for the University of Washington? So how, how does that you, work? How did your story happen? How did it happen? I, I was uh, – I played my last season in Colorado uh, for John Elway. John Elway was our owner. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And uh, – I got some good Elway stories if we got time. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him, but he uh, 
He's a piece of work. <laughs> I played against him thinking or not at my rookie year. He was on the other side over there. Yeah. yeah he can throw. He's, he's a, he's a great guy. And, uh, well, I can tell some stories on him if, if we have time, but, uh, anyway, so I'm in Colorado and I, I was, uh, I think I was had a note in my locker. Anyways, go see uh, so-and-so in the public relations department. You know, arena football is, is very community-oriented, family-oriented, so we're constantly doing things, uh, going out in the public. So I thought it was something having to do with that. He said, uh, we got a call from ABC. Or actually, I take it back. Uh, the, the league, the Arena Football League, was contacted by ABC – and they'd like to interview players to potentially be on this show, which nobody really knew of. Sure. Right. Um, but, but ironically, my roommate in Colorado was a guy named Bobby Passavento, who was a quarterback there. Maybe you remember his name. Mm-hmm. And he played with uh, Ryan Sutter, who was the, on The Bachelorette season one. So it was it was really uh, strange that it all came about while I was living with Bobby, who knew the guy from season one. Um, the uh, ABC came to the Arena League because they wanted quote unquote professional athletes, but but nobody big time. They didn't want any NFL or, or major league. Um, so they were going after um, minor league baseball players. Um, you know, I think they had a race car driver. Anyways, they, they approached the Arena Football League. So the Arena Football League uh, picked, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 guys or so and delivered those to ABC. So for about a month after practices, I was going up um, with our videographer and I was taping video interviews and, and doing a lot of stuff that I thought was just crazy, really not knowing what it was all about. Um, but I was, I was picked ABC went through it and, and picked me to be on it. So they flew me after the season to LA and it was all confidential. So we didn't know who the, I didn't know any of the other contestants. I didn't know who the, the bachelorette was. I really didn't know much about the show. Um, but we did commercial. And I don't know if you guys are fans of it or not, but the first night they, they ship Ty, you Ty, off to the Ty's house. a huge fan. There you go. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> just because they didn't pick me. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I just noticed how bad the light is. I apologize. I'm. Good, That's man. okay. It's all. It's all audio. Uh, my my daughter is playing tonight, uh, so I'm I'm hustling home to try to uh, get ready and pick up my wife. Nice. Um. Anyway, so. After being in the hotel filming promos by myself uh, and just the producer would come get you or a producer would come come to your room, escort you to whatever promo was TV guide or or this channel interviews, still hadn't met any of the guys until the first night of the first, you know, rose ceremony. And then they uh, they ship us over in probably five or so to a limo. And then you get to know all these guys and um, you've never seen so much Jack and Coke and, and <laughs> vodka sodas in, in your life. I mean, they, you ask them for uh, a candy bar, it'd be tough to get, but you ask them for a beer or, or uh, you know, some alcohol, man, it's on the spot. <laughs> they, they're trying to engineer a party. party. I'm going to tell you, And obviously some guys know their liquor a little bit better than others. So you got the, you know, some of the fights, some of the drama, some of the whatever, and boom, they got a, they got a TV show out of it. I guess they're doing all right. What are they on season 50? I don't know. Yeah, Todd? They're doing well. They're doing well. Uh, he said Todd like I'm supposed to know. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get a robe that first night? Todd, Todd sent me – he sent me an invitation to his uh, – 
his favorite bachelorette club. Don't don't act like you know. <laughs> have me up on your locker, Todd. That's why you didn't get a rose. Exactly <laughs> oh, you didn't get a rose the first. I night. did. I did get a rose. I got a rose. Yeah. Why are you trying to down him? He got a rose. <laughs> I got one rose. It's kind of like my football career. I got I got one rose and I got cut. Hey, you got cut. Let me ask. Do you watch the show at all now? Do you or do you peek at it every now and then? Like I remember this. To be honest, no. My yeah. wife and I never got into it. And I met my wife uh not long after the show. Um in fact, we went out, we were in Hermosa Beach, Southern California, and I, I was maintained friendships with a lot of the guys. Some of them I'm still in good contact with, but the guy that ended up winning my show. Uh, he's from New York, and the girl's name was Meredith, who uh, unfortunately came out a couple years ago and said she was drinking like five bottles of wine a, a night while she was taping our show. Wow. Dang. And uh, she had all kinds of mental health issues. Really sad. She was a nice girl. But anyways, uh, we went out to a, a beach party in Hermosa, me and my wife and, and the guy that won it. And, I mean, at that time – everybody was recognizing us and not, not as much me, um, but definitely those two. So it was kind of like many little celebrities, but I was with my wife and I, you know, the comparison, just looking at my wife and, and Meredith, no, no disrespect if she ever hears this, but <laughs> no contest. I, I was glad I didn't get that rose. Hey yeah. man. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you a prop. Yeah. See, yeah. So, so Damon's wife is name for your wife too, by the way. Yeah. Damon's wife's name is Lisa. So my wife's name is Lisa as well. So you win it. You win it. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, as we wrap this thing up, man, tell us a little about, you know, you coming to, uh, we knew, we know that you came for a second, uh, for your daughter, but more importantly, you know, kind of tell us what you're doing now. So my business is private real estate. So everybody knows what a mortgage broker is. Um, and I'm a licensed mortgage broker in California, which in California, a broker can, it's really a catch-all. I can broker loans. I can um, arrange financing. I can sell homes. But we focus on the lending side. So I act as a mortgage broker. However, the beneficiaries of our, of our loans are not institutional lenders, not banks. Uh, they're private private parties. And private parties can come in the form of a trust or a pension plan, self-directed IRA, uh, a variety of vehicles people can invest from. So on the one hand, I'm representing investors and I've got a, a portfolio of investors and our product is strictly real estate notes. So. You know, if you invest with me, uh, put you into a note, and you're secure by a piece of real estate with the deed of trust. It's a really powerful way to invest, and uh, we get high yields. Typically, we're about four or five percent above where the Fed is for a uh, conventional lending. So it's a good, good high yielding place to invest. They're short term notes, and on the other side, I work with brokers and bankers and and realtors and developers commercial brokers, attorneys, um, and, and we specialize in helping them with short-term interim kind of gap financing. So give you an example, uh, somebody's buying a building and they can't get SBA financing because it doesn't cash flow to the bank's standards, but it's still a good asset and the borrower is still strong and, and still a good leverage position. So we'll make the loan on a short-term basis and allow the property owner to get their ducks in a row. And then we're typically taken out with long-term conventional financing. So really we're just, we assist people getting from point A to point B, stabilizing the asset. Um, and it, it's, it's just a real fast paced environment. Everything has to happen quickly. If I get a call on a Monday, you know, I, I typically have to fund it by Thursday or Friday. Um, because these borrowers are paying a high rate of return. So, you know, in turn, we need to work really quickly. So my team is, uh, we're, we're accustomed to every deal is a fire drill pretty much. It's, it's, and I love it going back to, you know, being an athlete, uh, I can adapt quickly. Nothing really phases me. I'm not going to get, um, 
you know, in a situation where I lose my confidence and, and that, that really helps me. I, I, I pull on lessons from sports all the time, uh, but it all starts with honesty and respect and, and decency and treating people the right way. And God knows I've got some investors that, you know, pretty much have a, a B next to their net worth. Other investors that, you know, they're scraping together, uh, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars and want to invest. And I'll treat them both the exact same. And, and on the other side as well, whether you're, a, uh, you know, developing a shopping center or, you know, adding on a, a shed in your house. Uh, to me, they're all the same. They're clients and they deserve respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't ask them about this because I'm a nerd. I'll talk about business all night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so let's do this. But, we got one more thing we call this or that. So we, we, we're going to ask you a question. So Joy's probably not going to ask you a question. Joy's going to ask you like a damn theory or something. But, <laughs> but, but, but KD and I are going to ask you a question. So my question, right. my first question is this or that. If you, if you, you could only live one place, you get a, you get a decision. You can either live on the West coast or in Nashville, Tennessee for the rest of your life. What you doing? I'm home. Yeah, I'm home in Nashville. Yeah. I miss, I miss my family. I miss my friends terribly, but every time I land in Oakland or San Francisco for business or, or, you know, seeing family or friends, I cannot wait to get back to Nashville. So I, I'm, it didn't take long for my entire family to, to feel right at home. And that's really a testament to Nashville. And I can name, you know, a couple dozen people off the top of my head that have just been incredibly inviting and, and welcoming. So yeah, that, that one's easy. That's an easy question. Easy answer. I'm home in Nashville. All right. So I'm going to try to give you a little tougher one. So there's been two of my favorite running backs to play for the Oakland Raiders at the time, maybe even LA Raiders. You probably liked them when they were in LA as well. Kenny but there's King, Kenny King, Bo Jackson. <laughs> now I knew you're going Bo. So there's, there's several moments between Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen that come to mind. I was a, I was a Cowboys fan, but I love watching them to the Raiders. The Super Bowl run with Marcus Allen. One of these got to go. The reverse field against the Redskins mm. in the Super Bowl. Mm. Or, 1983. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the Bo Jackson Monday Night Football. Up the the yeah. Which one uh, you got to get rid of? Which one? Oh, man. That, that one is tougher. <laughs> That's a hell of a That's a hell of a mm. I, I'm sticking with my man. I'm sticking with my man. Uh, you know, Boz, that was, that was a good hit, but if you literally look at it, he was off balance. He was, you know, to catch him. Yeah. He, oh yeah. And, uh, I think Boz, the, the, the roids were running out by that time. So he had no, he had, he had no chance, but that was, uh, man, I love watching that highlight, particularly because Boz was such a mouth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I never really had a, negative impression of Bosworth. He is what he is, but it's always fun to see, you know, a bullet get hit in the mouth. Right. Yes. Well, I, I guess you, you're right. I'm not asking it this or that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, going back to your college days, you mentioned Nebraska and how dominant they were at the time when you were in school outside of Nebraska, what was the, the toughest game that you played in, in college? Washington, uh, my senior year at San Jose State for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I think Corey Dillon set about four records against us in the first <laughs> half. Was a beast. Uh, yeah, yeah he's a bad he's a bad <laughs> yeah. He was just running. Cor- he just ran just wild, man. He was just a he was just a beast yeah. from the back. I forgot about Corey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he 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 tore us up, but the reason it stands out as all time the most uncomfortable game we played in a hailstorm. Okay. It was, it was probably maybe a degree, if not negative. And literally, you know, when uh coach, can't do this anymore, but remember back in the day when they come up and wrap your helmet with their whistle uh-huh. and it just racked, that, that's what the, the uh, hail pellets felt like just constant, like quarters on your helmet. Ooh. Just right. That, that, that. And also, you know, our sideline was such a cluster. It's raining, hailstorm. We don't have any any warm gear. All of our jackets got wet. All of our warm jackets got wet. So you're looking over at their sideline, and Corey Dillon's like, 
sweating under fans because they got heaters they got, and whatnot. They got heat lamps. We got nothing. <laughs> we literally got nothing. We're all like shivering up. We don't want to get out of the huddle because it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> and my my dumb ass tried to be tough guy. Came out sleeveless. sleeveless. <laughs> Man, I came out in the second half. I had a I had a sweater on, cardigan on. I had anything I could find. Hoodie, had a hoodie. On. hoodie yeah, I kept I kept my hands underwater. Literally, all the receivers. We literally kept our hands under the water for probably 10, 15 minutes at halftime. <laughs> it was it was cold, boy. It was cold. Like so yeah, it's, uh, it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's easy because. Uh, it was a bad football experience, but it was just a bad physical uh, <laughs> element experience. <laughs> that is hey, fun. Damon, man, we've had a great, yeah, great time with you, man. That was really appreciate you. Uh, good yeah. luck. Good luck with Grace and everybody, and, you know, make sure everything happens, man. We appreciate yeah. you, boy. I appreciate you all. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Uh, sorry for the technical issues and the lighting and whatnot, but I appreciate you putting up with it and uh hopefully we can all meet in person one day i know i'll see you todd but everybody else uh, i'd like to hook up at some point yeah man we yeah, enjoyed it so, man. the games we appreciate you all right y'all have a good one man, man.